believe it's already the end of 2018. It's been a monstrous year for tech and some of the biggest companies have been the biggest stories. In many cases, not for the right reasons. I'm Toby Shapshak and with me is Craig Wilson. And we're going to tell you everything you need to know about the year that was... Firstly, the biggest story of the year has been the implosion of public confidence in Facebook. Facebook has been rocked by a number of scandals around data privacy, starting with Cambridge Analytica, Mm. which broke in April, uh, followed by huge uh, breaches of of users. 30 million people had their, their token, their login details hacked. And then a number of other scandals, including the way Facebook responded to the Cambridge Analytica saga, which involved hiring a a PR firm called Define as Public Affairs. South Africans will know the kind of tactics they use because those are the ones that Bill Pottinger so Mm -hmm. famously used here. And then allegations about how Facebook responded internally that have forever tarnished Sheryl Sandberg's reputation. Uh, And just recently, right at the end of the year, another investigation by the New York Times uncovered how Facebook had given unbelievable access to people's data to the big tech firms, Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, Netflix, including such things as being able to read and delete people's private messages. So it's, mm. it is, is it been hugely scandalous. It's been a lot of money that's been lost. Mark Zuckerberg has lost $19 billion of his own money and his own personal fortune. He's still worth $56 billion. Shame. So yeah, um, right, yeah. Yeah, it's still, it's sure, a it's significant enormous. amount it's of money. But the problem, increasingly, Toby, seems to be that they're just rolling from one scandal straight into the next. And you keep wondering when you see things like these allegations about big companies having access to private messages, you think, well, you know, you would expect that earlier in the year there would have been a serious sort of taking of stock. You know, who has access to what? Uh, You know, where do we stand? And the feeling you get instead is that this is by no means the end that we're going to hear of that. You know, I think instead what we seem to get the feeling is that there are still all sorts of scandals with Facebook data yet to come. And really what they're doing is rather just dealing with each one as it leaks and hoping that eventually some of the ones that exist, they won't uh, won't be forced to, to confront and talk about. Well, confront and talk about is, is, is the way to look at it because already one of the, the US states, the District of Columbia, D.C., has filed charges against Facebook. Amongst other things, there was a 2011 consent decree with the, the Federal Trade uh, Commission about, was it the FTC? Something like about, this, yeah. About how Facebook used their people's data and that they said they would do more and be more protective of it. It turns out at a first glance that they weren't. And the indictment uh, from that attorney general is pretty damning. And of course, it seems quite unlikely um, that in any other business in the world, the CEO of a company could preside over the kinds of scandals Mm. uh, that Facebook has seen this year and still have their job. And yet Mark Zuckerberg, not only is the CEO, he's the chairman and he still controls something like 60% of, of Facebook's voting stock. And that's a very clever thing he did to keep himself in control. But it is a very worrying thing that the most 
powerful communication tool in the world. It's, it's, it's unprecedented that mm. 2.2 billion people are online in one place, as it were, or through one mechanism. Um, and this is the kind of damage that has been wrought. And of course, he keeps saying it's a big mistake. It was a huge mistake. It's, it's my mistake. And yet... Yeah, he still sits and, and the problem hasn't gone away. Of course, it goes back further than Cambridge Analytica to the, the fake news scandals of, of the 2012 uh, US presidential election, the fact that Russian trolls would be able to manipulate viewers as much as they did. I think by Facebook's mm. own figures, it was 126 million people were exposed to to uh, advertising that the, these Russian trolls put on. So it's it's not a story that's going to go away next year. No, I don't think January is suddenly going to make us uh, any better. And as I think there are more uh, scandals to come. And if there's a key word to uh, sort of wrap up 2018, I think that word would be trust. And there is an all-time low of it in Facebook. And part of the problem with all of these companies, you know, I mean, you know you've had a, you must have had a bad year when you make Twitter look like the more respectable social network and the more ethical one, despite the, the sort of vitriol that lives on there and the problems the misogyny, that, that the it has. semitism Yeah, you know, when, when Twitter's looking like the good social network, you've, you've, you know, you've had a really, really bad one and really put your foot in it. But, of course, famously, we've seen now that none other than Walt Mossberg has said that he is going to leave uh, WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook. Really, you know, the Facebook uh, unholy trinity. Um, and I've also been talking to people about trying to move away from using WhatsApp in particular. You know, frankly, Facebook gives me the least creeps I guess because I've always been quite suspicious of it and I don't tend to you know I have a public profile I don't you know no, my sensitive communications don't happen there but my sensitive communications absolutely happen on WhatsApp and you know with each and every one of these scandals how much I trust Facebook with anything really uh, erodes and erodes and you know obviously being in tech I feel obliged to be there I want to see it you know I want to be up to date with the new features it rolls out and I feel like you know I don't really have a choice it's very hard to leave but I think for a lot of people the most difficult bit to give up is WhatsApp and that potentially that's where that has is, has the power to be the most compromising as well and we've seen the CEOs of uh, WhatsApp and Instagram uh, exit you know the people who founded these companies who've subsequently been absorbed into the Facebook machine and, uh, and I guess my hope for next year is that if nothing else we will see increased scrutiny and you know perhaps some regulation I, I think regulation is a, is, is a definite uh, there's certainly enough noise coming out of, of the US uh, lawmakers, Congress and Senate about what goes on. I mean, the, the public hearings this year with Facebook and Twitter and, and, and uh, Google, the CEOs of all of them, have, have shown us not only um, that, that you know people are starting to wake up to the need to control it, but also just how untech savvy these US <laughs> lawmakers have. I mean, some of the exchanges have been mortifyingly embarrassing. Um, but Walt Mossberg, the significance, of course, in case people don't know, is that he's the very first technology journalist ever he used to write for the Wall Street Journal and he wrote a, a famous piece I, I remember the intro he said um, your computer is very hard to, con- to to understand and it's not your fault um, which is which is a sentence I think there's still 
at uh, all these years later. Um, and of course, it was Elon Musk, the, the you know, the, uh, the, the, the most famous boy from Pretoria, who was one of the first people to, to tweet, hashtag delete Facebook. So I, I think that energy is going to go from, from Facebook to all the other things. Messenger mm-hmm. uh, is, is another, you know, it has over a, a billion users, Facebook Messenger. And of course, this is the data that Facebook gave these big tech firms access to. Some of them Netflix and Spotify immediately said, but hang on, we we didn't ask for this. Don't need all of this. Um, yeah. Messenger's the worst. I find Messenger the most uh, insidious. You know, it, it has a permanent notification if you've refused it access to your contacts to make you open the reopen the app to try and get you to to share your contacts and to continually allow it to rescan your contacts for new people who join. And it's the one that, you know, asks you to link your phone number. And if you don't link your phone number, there's an ongoing notification. Every time I reopen it, it says, well, you know, you could be missing messages. Don't you want to link your phone number? I find uh, Messenger is the one that, for me, most obviously, uh, most of these blatantly uh, shows you how insidious this sort of... Uh, Controllers and how broad Facebook's knowledge about everything, everything we do is. Anyway, absolutely the the un you know the biggest story of the year for all of the worst reasons. Uh, the stock has taken a pounding, as you mean Mark Zuckerberg's personal fortune as a result has taken a battering. Uh, regulators who don't necessarily fully understand what they're regulating are going to be paying much closer attention. They're going to be breathing down their neck, and uh, I think the next couple of years uh, are going to be very very interesting to see how this yeah. behemoth. Um, is forced to adapt and maybe you know the uh, move fast and break things mentality that is by and large revered in the sector uh, is going to have to be um, reined in a little well I, I think it probably has but there's an interesting thing you say about messenger of course I deleted it off my phone probably a year, a year and a half ago um, and, and when I deleted Facebook and I've, I've got to say a year of not having Facebook on my phone is absolutely <laughs> it's a wonderful I haven't year. missed a single thing I haven't, sure. every now and again I log back into messenger and I say to people I don't read messenger please send me an email and then people automatically respond and say hello how are you it's kind of like when you say to people don't leave me a voicemail send me a, a text message and they leave and they you a leave voicemail, voicemail anyway well this is mean, the trick is to turn it off right? well I did eventually actually <laughs> I, 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 Vodacom had a very nice service that lets you uh, or it converted voice to text and when they turned that off at the beginning of November I turned off my voicemail and my life has con- continued without it but in terms of regulation for Facebook this is not the first uh, attorney general of a US state that's going to be suing Facebook we're going to see a lot more of that and and, and I would really love to see the European standard of, of, of GD, the GDPR mm, sure. privacy protocol being adopted everywhere because it really is fantastic and the penalties for 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 breaking confidentiality of people's uh, personal data are really extreme. I mean, it, mm, you know, mm, enormously punitive. Exactly. And and what hap- what happened was just before it was implemented, Facebook uh, Facebook rehoused, as it were, their European contacts. One point five billion people were moved from the island head office that would have been uh, involved in the GDPR to. Um, 
back to California so that they wouldn't fall foul of that. Sure. We're going to see a lot of changes, I think, in the UK. I mean, there, there are a whole bunch of things we haven't included. You know, the UK Parliament demanded answers. Facebook was obliged to give a whole bunch of documents. Mm-hmm. All of those documents were revealed, uh, showing just the kinds of internal communication of what was going on. It really is a cesspool, and, it, and it, it's really hard to look at Facebook in a glowing, positive way like we used to probably two years ago. I mean, I, like you, I've always been skeptical. I, mm-hmm. I've, I found Facebook intrusive in a way and puerile that I, that I didn't find. Twitter, for instance, I found Facebook, you know, bizarrely... Sort of warm and authentic and like real connections between families and friends and not strangers to... shouting at each other on the internet, which is what Twitter felt like. Yes, and I, and I, and I, and I, I fell in love with Facebook again because I really got in touch with my family mm-hmm. and I could see what they were up to but actually what happened was the Facebook algorithm just started showing me more of the same drivel and I don't mean like meaningful stuff I mean the advertisements the problem this is my biggest problem with all of them really you know aside from WhatsApp which hasn't quite gotten there yet but is bringing ads you know Instagram it's the same thing I've just had fallen out of love with it in the early days of Instagram I wanted an iPhone 4S more than I have ever wanted any phone before or subsequently because you could take really great photos and you could share them on this platform called Instagram that was inspiring it made you want to get out there and stand in front of cool things so that you could get cool pictures of them so that you could share them with this amazing community of visually literate and visually interesting people and now it just like Facebook feels like a project to sell me things that I don't need and don't or, want or I suppose that the, and we're going to come to the other the other big tech firms um, uh, the uh, the 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 scandals around Google are, are just as huge um, but isn't it interesting though, that I still have a by and large a much warmer feeling about Google when I look at products like Google Photos that turn unstructured data into this really useful personally meaningful thing you know where I can go and find pictures of old friends or old pets yeah. with a few clicks you know despite the fact that Google knows at least as much if not more about me uh, than Facebook does somehow you know I haven't had that shift to the the sort of fear and loathing that I feel when when I think about Facebook, and it may yeah. be coming. It's certainly changing. I think you know, there are there are scandals yet to be had. Well, I mean, from, the, from Google the, too. The big ones this year, firstly, were were just discovering how bad uh, uh, programmatic advertising was, especially mm. on YouTube. People were were discovering yeah. um, their adverts for you know what is Unilever advert uh, advertise. Um, you know, toilet paper, cleaning, toilet paper products. cleaning products, cosmetics, next to beheadings on, on YouTube. And it's been shown that YouTube's algorithm shows you more and more controversial stuff. Even if you're a child, mm-hmm. it will show you more and more controversial stuff so that you stay online longer. Sure. And, the, and the kind of memes that have been propagated, the, the, the conspiracy theories are just beyond horrendous you know mm-hmm. that, that something like Infowars could have continued to publish sort of misinformation campaigns and yeah. 
blatantly false, blatantly untrue, blatantly uh, uh, problematic. Um, so there's, you know, YouTube has, has emerged as a bit of a cesspool. And of course, there's Google's attempts to go back into China with their Project Dragonfly that their own staff have, have been up in arms Although with. which, I believe, subsequently, they have finally uh, turned around and, and quashed. Yeah, isn't that isn't that a, a demonstration of, of people power? I mean, I mean, the other big scandal for... for um, for Google has been their, their AI and the fact that they're involved in, in military projects that their staff are up in arms about as well. Amazon's had the same staff backlash because of their, their hosting of some of the, the US governments. I think it's the Immigration Enforcement Agency. Mm, mm. Uh, there's been a huge backlash. But these are also it. always going to be the risks when these companies become so dominant and when their incentive is, as with all businesses, to be profitable. You know, if you, like Amazon, running Amazon Web Services, if you make the de facto place to store large quantities of data, uh, it's, we can't be surprised when company, when well, when entities like the government want to store their large quantities of data in these services. You know, because these services are so successful, invariably they're going to they're going to attract these sort of problems. But I think lastly, before we move on to the next topic, the, well, the, the, this just in: Bloomberg is reporting that Facebook is quietly building a cryptocurrency to power money transfers on WhatsApp. I saw that um, this morning. Yeah so, yeah. so that's a you know yet another. Uh, a huge possibility. I mean, I, I, I mean, I suppose the, the other big story of this year has been the the, the Bottom fall falling and out fall of and fall and fall of Bitcoin, especially, but of all cryptocurrency. Yeah. And and I kind of you know those people who bought and got out before the the, the peak. I mean, it peaked at about twenty thousand dollars around this last time December. last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If in a year, you look at what, what could have happened. Anyway, yeah, those people who... Who, who got in who and got, got, got out as well, out. but most people didn't, you know. And I, I, and I looked at the rise of, of, of Bitcoin last year, um, and it really kind of looked like currency speculation. It looked like people who knew how to arbitrage low and get sure, out high, etc., sure. etc. Et so it hasn't been Unless good. you're a sort of classical economist, in which case it looked like people buying tulips, right? Yeah. It's just this, this ultimate bubble, yeah. Yeah, well, look, I mean, let's move on to the social network stuff, but I wanted to close that. Uh, that thought by saying I, I saw this week as well in breaking news Twitter has now put in an option to get your timeline to revert to being chronological yeah. rather than algorithmic and I think that is fascinating because I think that is part of the problem with the user experience data privacy all of these other concerns aside as actual products I feel like these are one of the failings of uh, Facebook and Instagram is that this constant attempt to better guess what it is that you want to see or more tellingly what it is that's going to make you more susceptible to adverts is part of what has uh, sucked all of the soul out of Facebook and Instagram and I think Twitter reverting to this sort of purer form of chronology where also it's a format that of course lends itself to this you know you dip in because you want to know what's happening now Twitter is a very very um, present tense sort of uh, enterprise um, I just think that's fascinating I think that to move back to that um, is also a move in the right direction to suggest that you know it, it suggests a responsiveness to what users actually want and how they actually enjoy the platform and I guess I hope that whether it's because of pressure or whether it's because of people fleeing the platforms I would, I would love to see more of that uh, sort of user oriented focus come back to platforms like Facebook and Instagram 
Yeah, the, the, the waterfall as I, I think of it, you know, there's this constant waterfall of data and if you miss it, you miss it and, and, and that's what I liked about the chronological There's something genuine of, about that. Yeah, 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 like it's real time, you see it, you don't see it. I mean, there is some advantages I think on Twitter. Twitter, Twitter has its own problems, the misogyny, the hatred, the, the hate speech, the anti-Semitism. I mean, I think the big problem the is trolling. Twitter won't control the hate because because it is disincentivized to reduce user numbers. Yeah. If you go and ban accounts, it you know it's troubling for investors. It affects your you know what your growth looks like. And I think this is just I mean this is the this is the nature of the beast. When the businesses business is incentivized to grow at all costs, um, you remove the incentives to do things like control hate. Indeed, and uh, and and. I mean, I, I kind of, I wish there would be a bit more rationality around Wall Street, right? Like Twitter's going to be around 300 million users thereabouts. That's, yeah. it's only 300 million users, headlines cry, hello, it's 300 sure. million users and it's, they are incredibly engaged. Most of they, the US population. You know, they, they're very, very participatory and it remains the front page of news you want to see what's going on off you go but the problems are are just huge I mean in South Africa alone what happened with Bill Pottinger and the the sock puppets and all these fake accounts I mean those were patently fake but this is ongoing right and and that stuff gets reported all the time Twitter could do something about that every now and again they do but they simply don't and and that's the that's the downside of all of this great stuff that, that there's something patently obviously wrong about it and the tech firms involved don't do something. I mean, to listen to Mark Zuckerberg who is himself Jewish talk about the right for Holocaust denialists to have a voice. Why? Absolutely, It's yeah. fake. It's untrue. It's hurtful. It's terrible. You know, there are the, the fact that Facebook's been implicated in Myanmar in terms of the of the hate speech that's happened there mm. uh, in India. Uh, WhatsApp, they've, they've had to put in forwarding and limit it to 20 people because of, of how quickly hate speech was spending, uh, spreading. People have been, you know... And people actually, you know, losing lives in the wake of it. It's not just people shouting at people on the internet. It's people actually being killed. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is problematic, but I mean, part of it comes down to I think the incentives that these companies have, and what maybe what regulation needs to do is to ensure that there is greater incentive to police these sorts of things effectively. And you know, generally, as as is the problem with all tech things, we innovation outpaces our ability to legislate for it and this is uh this is the ongoing battle and something we are going to have to to tackle in years to come but well, i think listen, we, we should um we should move on to the next bit of news which is also front page news uh has been front page on a lot of the tech news websites in particular and again often for the wrong reasons and that is uh briefly alluded to earlier our uh, our uh, compatriot uh, Elon Musk. Yes, sure. He's had a he's had a bit of a of a meltdown here, hasn't he? I mean, he keeps tweeting the most absurd things that get him into trouble with the the SEC, and then he settles an account. I mean, twenty twenty million dollars each uh, for him sure. and Tesla. I mean, that's got to be Tesla. the most expensive tweet ever. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then he you know does it again, and of course 
everybody respects him. Everybody knows that the work he's doing is groundbreaking. Um, and everybody can see that, that what, what's being done with Tesla, not just in terms of electric cars, but batteries. Like what, what we really need in the world is better batteries to store solar mm, energy. Sure. That may well be one of the biggest things he's ever given us. Uh, the, you know, the, the things he's doing with SpaceX are just fantastic. Uh, Craig and I were lucky enough to interview the, the most recent administrator of, of NASA, retired uh, Major General Charles Bowden. And, you know, they, NASA no longer builds, well, they never build spaceships, but, but they outsource it, mm. um, you know, kind of grand Uber scale outsourcing, uh, picking up a ride to space, uh, to yeah. SpaceX. But his behavior has been really odd and really questionable. Um, really erratic, course, yeah. And, yeah, erratic. And that's just going to depreciate his uh, moral standing, I suppose. Well, this is, I mean, the thing is, you know, some people, obviously there are, there are, there are musk haters and there are people who think he's uh, you know, a bit of a loon. You know, I think the the biggest value comes in that you know here is someone who runs these three distinct but all industry revolutionizing companies who wants to do you know solar roof tiles and put people on Mars and upend the motor industry and create tunnels to reduce urban congestion. You know, and does you know if you did any one of these things, you would be a Branson level um, entrepreneur. Yeah, and you'd just be, you know, already like an outsized figure. But to do this across multiple industries, I think one of the things I like most about Musk is how inspirational he is for youngsters when it comes to science and technology. You know, there was a time where I, it was before my time, but I can only imagine how inspiring it must have been in the, during the moon landing, during the space race of the Cold War, to want to get involved in science and technology because of the prospect of space travel. And then this sort of fell off, you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, programs got scaled back. Yes, it was still the International Space Station, but I feel like there's been this resurgence with the Mars probes. Um, that you know, Musk is one of the one of the many reasons. But Musk and Bezos and Branson, of course, is uh, various space projects. You know, it seems really realistic that commercial space travel will happen in our lifetime. And meanwhile, you mentioned Tesla. I think the particularly exciting thing for Tesla is that even if Tesla as a company fails, there is no denying that it has forced all of the incumbents to pay more attention to shifting to EVs, shifting away from fossil fuels than they would have otherwise. Because again, it, you know, it comes down to incentives. And you know, now they have that incentive because there is a company that is threatening their bottom line. And I think that you know, for all of his other lunacy, all of his pot smoking on Joe Rogan, which was an incredibly poor idea for a public-facing CEO of a major listed company, you know, regardless of how you feel about marijuana consumption, that was just a bad idea. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if Tesla can change, can can reduce pollutants in the atmosphere, which it seems to be doing, and SpaceX can get kids excited about studying science and technology, then you know, these are these are great things to be uh, lauded and for us to be excited about but yeah if, if Musk could keep off Twitter a little I think it would uh, help keep him out of the headlines for the wrong reasons and perhaps keep the good work he does in the headlines instead indeed I mean it, it could be worse he, he could work for Huawei 
well, he could work, he could indeed work for Huawei. You know, Huawei, it's so funny, right? We really have this this these absolute highs when it comes to the consumer tech side of things, and these crazy lows when it comes to well, you know, having executives arrested in the U.S., um, having a, another a growing list of European companies refuse to use Huawei's hardware for their 5G infrastructure, which of course is going to be a massive massive place of uh, capital expenditure from European net networks and indeed global networks in the year to come. Um, but in between all of this, Huawei's gone and built certainly, I, what I certainly think is the most interesting smartphone of, uh, of 2018. Indeed. I mean, they, 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 their smartphones are just fantastic. I mean, it's been, a, in some respects, stellar year for them. They've overtaken <laughs> Apple to become the global number two smartphone manufacturer. They Certainly in South Africa, they've done done even better than that um, and their handsets are extraordinarily good um, at stuff you know we, we test technology a lot we play with things we you know we we test the cameras on their phones and for many years uh, Samsung has been hands down the winner but this year first the P20 their smartphone yep. and then the Mate 20 Pro their their phablets have just like ruled the roost and the, 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 the Mate 20 it's a confusing name structure but the Mate 20 the phablet the pictures are just extraordinary the three cameras on the back Craig took a picture of London Bridge at night at the at the launch in London that, that you can't believe wasn't taken with a with an enormous digital SLR because the quality is exceptional and, and, and they really have done themselves yeah. that's what we're seeing on the, on the tech, consumer technology side they're doing fantastically but in the real politic global side they are under enormous pressure and it began at the very beginning of the year they, they were going to do a big announcement at CES um, and just as they were about to uh, unveil themselves to the US market and start selling their phones um, the, uh, the, the the rug was pulled out from underneath them AT&T mm-hmm. wouldn't list them and it's just been a year of, of these kinds of stories about um, security concerns. Bloomberg uh, a couple of months ago ran a huge piece about one of the server manufacturers in China shipping servers to Apple and Amazon and on it there was a tiny little chip that could send information back. Uh, it's, it's been a hugely disputed story. Both Apple and Amazon have said it hasn't happened. Mm, uh, Bloomberg stood by it. But it's been a story that we've seen a lot of and it, and it forms the backdrop I suppose to the, the US-China a trade war that's going on where China is being accused of spying on US companies, of stealing US copyrights, uh, amongst many other things. Mm. And the, 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 the one clear uh, victim of all of this have been the Chinese cell phone manufacturers, sometimes by their own fault, ZTE, the other major uh, equipment manufacturer and maker of, of entry-level phones, was caught, for, caught out for, for trading with Iran and nearly lost everything and then in a Explicably, uh, uh, Donald Trump tweeted something, and they were back in favour. And then, of course, there were various rumours about deals his daughter had done in China. <laughs> but, but the the the, the arrest of, of 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 Huawei's CFO in Canada, and she is the daughter of of the founder of Huawei. And of course, the scandal is because he was a, a Red Army engineer. There's a perception that that there's some kind of of, of Chinese army connection. I honestly don't know where 
where I come down on this because there's so many differing points of view Mm. Uh, for a very rational understanding of all of it Jeffrey Sachs the the author and the economist has written a a very interesting piece about how utterly unusual it is for an executive of a company to be so specifically targeted Mm. as the Huawei CFO was and he lists an enormous number of, of big institution, big global banks who have been caught uh, doing business with Iran and and, fi- and fined for it, uh, none of which have have had the consequences that Huawei have had. Um, and, it, and it's a significant debate because they provide connectivity for about a third of the people on the planet. I think in South Africa, it's about half of the people connect using Huawei telecommunications equipment of some kind or other. Sure, the, t- the infrastructure on the towers, all of the all of the backroom things that we don't see, right? So, so the, the implications are huge. Mm. It, it could it could well undermine a whole bunch of things. If they're true, it's even huger. Uh, is it possible that that you know that mm, absolutely. some way in some way China is listening to everybody's data traffic? Well, and you've um, got to wonder in the you know in the wake of uh, the Snowden revelations of a few years ago, in the wake of what we're seeing with Facebook, you know, it's it's a tough time not to be deeply suspicious and unfortunately you know even for those of us who are fairly savvy about these things i have no way of knowing whether this huawei that i'm using is leaking data and i have no sense of it but the pictures are great but the pictures are great and so and so we keep we keep using them but i think this comes back to this uh yeah, this, this theme of the year of trust. And I think that's certainly going to be what sets the tone uh, as we go into the beginning of next year. Um, in between which, of course, youngsters will not be paying any attention to any of this because they will be paying, uh, playing rather the latest season of Fortnite now. I mean, isn't that the, the, the success story of the year? I mean, they've just... They've just just an absolute cultural phenomenon and I, you know, I read a fascinating piece the other day because much like things like Snapchat, I'm just, I'm just a little bit too old for this, you know, yeah. I've played a bit of Fortnite, I tried really hard, I died really quickly, I tried playing it for uh, intermittently for a couple of weeks, mostly just as a, to get to grips with it sort of sense of things and what I've found so fascinating is that increasingly for a lot of kids it's not even about playing the game or playing the game to win at all or to even feature it's a place to hang out yeah you know it's the discord chats that they have going at the same time it's spectating it's watching these newly minted uh streaming stars like ninja you know these people who have just built these careers out of other people watching them game and you know it's just become this this crazy shift to i guess in a sense what the internet was meant to be in the early days which was this way for like-minded people to find their you know find their tribe and get to hang out and i think that's really cool and also that you know not understanding it is is fine and the things we have to accept that uh you know much like snapchat these things will come and sweep in and be these absolute phenomenons and you know if you're over 25 you're probably not 
going to fully understand it. But uh, yeah, Fortnite's just incredible. And and also for this, the model, you know, the, the model for a long time for high-end games has been you sell the game for a thousand rand and that's where you make your money. And Fortnite, of course, is totally free to play. You know, you, you, as long as you have the device, you can play it across platform, you can play it on all of the consoles, you can play it on iPads, and, and you don't have to, you don't have to pay a cent. Mm. And you're in no way, there is no performance advantage to spending money it is purely cosmetic and i think that is that's just fascinating that you can build this this it's you know it's not even a freemium model it's not even a let you try and then you have to pay you need never spend a cent if you don't wish to and yet they are minting money because people are so happy to pay these micro fees for a new dance or a new hat i know isn't i mean it's it's incredible i i mean i I, you know i remember writing years ago that how when 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 video gaming overtook Hollywood as a revenue center mm. it's far outpaced it I mean a movie, or, movie should be 90 minutes in terms of classic movie theories but it's usually two hours or two and a half hours with really no added value for all those extra <laughs> half hours <laughs> you're forced to sit through I mean oh look we need another boat boat chase because we've only had seven car chases quick let's add a helicopter to the boat chase <laughs> and an ejector seat um, not that we're sounding older anyway. yeah but the, the gaming has become the way people socialize you know I, mean, yeah. I remember someone telling me from Skype that the, what he found fascinating is his teenage son just leaving his Skype channel open while he was playing while he was shying while their kids are just using these mm. internet services in a way that was never imagined by the, the people who founded them I mean Skype is now just a way for you to chat not you know to beat the telephony system but if you're I mean, us yeah we still schedule a call right it's like yes. cool. I will Skype you at 6pm on Sunday you know it's a especially if you want to speak to grandma if, <laughs> if you want to speak to grandma which and is again, what a lot of people use it for you know exactly and along comes you know these these new phenomenons. I mean, one of my favorite things about Fortnite is the fact that that various artists are suing them for for copyright infringements on their dance moves. Sure. And now this question about how this works. Who would ever have thought that would be an issue, right? Sure. Sure. Well, look, I mean, I think certainly this has been one of the great disruptions of 2018. Obviously, Fortnite didn't start in 2018, but it's just gone on to be a phenomenon in it and I think to wrap up I'm going to talk about a couple of the the incoming disruptions well the other good stories we've seen this year well yeah and then some of the, the more local ones so the one I think is uh, rain on the uh, data sort of side of things you know there is an ongoing um, there's ongoing pressure on operators to bring down the cost to communicate uh, ICASA is showing you know, flexing a little bit more muscle I think you know in 2019 we're just going to see this continue we've just had just this week, CellC has announced that it's the second network to comply with ICASA's recent demands regarding data rollover, data expiry, you know, all of these consumer-friendly moves that uh, are making it more difficult for operators to benefit from, um, you know, the horrid practices like out-of-bundle. Uh, you now have to be able to transfer data between users on the same network. So, you know, if you're not going to use your data and go away, you can now give it to someone. Anyway, these sorts of things, you know, but then in between this, you have this company Rain come in online only. You order the SIM, it gets delivered to you. Flat rate, you know, complete transparency, no expiring data. You pay 50 rand a, 50 rand a gig. You pay for how much you use. You get billed at the end of the month. You know, it's just a 
it's a deliciously disruptive model and i you know i can't wait to see what happens as 5g networks roll out and you know how this changes to also for people you know it's tough for the operators people yeah. are making calls people are leaving their skype open all day instead yeah and not yeah. making traditional gsm calls and you know we've seen obviously you know with with 5g i think my view at least is that we're not going to see really useful commercial 5g next year that's just not going to be a, a real 2019 story we don't have the phones we don't have the mobile you know the modems of course though what you are going to see is vodacom and mtn and celsi racing to get 5g out because of that inevitable you know frankly the pissing contest of prestige that comes with being the being able to put on your billboard the first operator to offer 5g but that versus what a real user's experience is going to be you know i I think that that yeah. remains a couple of years. I mean, I've got to say, I'm very happy with 4G or LTE or absolutely whatever we call. It. I mean, it's just fantastic. I mean, and I've and I've noticed in the last couple of years that that frankly, the internet access that I have at home and at work, thank you, uh, Vumatel, for the fiber to the home, yeah. is superior to that than I've had in some of the countries where I used to like travel with glee because the connectivity. Absolutely, was I've been to places in Europe where, frankly, I get a better signal at home because of the of the fiber fiber to the home the last mile that fiber um but of course what we need to see is more of that more of that rolled and, out and further and cheaper i mean it's still yeah the cost is the real problem it's still exp- it's cheaper than it used to be with adsl but it's still relatively expensive and the, you know the you i mean you had me at delightfully disruptive because that's what's great about rain i mean you can buy a rain sim card and pay 250 rand a month for unlimited access except during prime time and rain defines prime time as between uh, 6 p.m to 11 p.m at night five hours at night the rest of that is unlimited data and it yep. is fantastic and of course all the other operators are saying how do you make money you're going to fall over you're going to do this you're going to do that and uh, so far we haven't seen anything and it's very it's a very interesting test case because can you run a, a, a pure play data-only network Mm. and and be profitable and satisfy people's demands. Um, So it's going to be an interesting story that will play out next year. I suppose the big thing we're going to see next year is the emergence of these new banks, um, led, of course, by by Rain's significant shareholder, Michael Yordan, the former CEO of F&B. And he's going to be, uh, he's already doing a soft launch of of Bank Zero. And Mm. we know it's called Zero because it has zero fees. But it's going to be an app-based bank and it's going to be very interesting. I think I think the banking sector in particular, you know, so there's Bank Zero to look forward to. There's Time Bank, which is already doing some uh, sort of beta testing, and then there's Discovery Bank, which we know is coming at the end of March. Now, frankly, I mean, I think Discovery is going to have the sort of vitality, try and change your behavior style model. But for me, Discovery is the least interesting of the three because Discovery is going to continue to appeal to the sorts of people who are on vitality. It's a very middle class and upper middle class thing, and that's what Discovery Bank's. Well, as I see it so far, going yeah. to be. I mean, Bank Zero and Time, could, these could be 
the capitex of the digital banking world. Yeah, you know? I, I agree. There's another one that I know of that I can't speak about that's, that's even more impressive in terms of what its disruption is going to be. But, the, the, you know, the, I look at the discovery system and, and if you have waxed uh, vitality and you understand how to make vitality work for you, um, uh, like Sally Hudson does, for instance, you will... Uh, she's the... the she's other. Steph's business director, for those of you scratching your heads. She, you know, her and her family have worked out how to make vitality work. If you have worked out vitality for your health benefits, then the banking system is a, is a, a real no-brainer to to participate sure. in. But it's, it's the app-based, pure play... Um, Services like Bank Zero and Time Bank that are that are very mm. interesting. And in Time Bank's history was it, it it used to be called Time Digital and it did mobile money for MTN and it did it very effectively. And it, and it was a remarkable mm. uh, company. It was bought by Commonwealth Bank of Australia, the seventh biggest bank in the world. Um, and it's and it's since been sold to Patrice Mitsepi's uh, investment company. And and that's that's very very interesting because the potential of banks that are purely app-based that that you that you can use a smartphone to do all your banking is here because the time is here and because now you can buy a smartphone for 500 rand yeah and you know and i think that's where this is really interesting you know even when we look at things like rain uh, you know mobile data is still expensive and it's still really tough for regular folk like that is still a you know a prohibitively expensive technology and it is not widespread but if you can launch a bank that can run on the cheapest of smartphones with almost no fees you know and you know if they can do some clever things with perhaps with the things like cross border remittances you know these real pain points for um, for you know working class uh, folk I think that's there's an opportunity here for huge disruption and you're going to see some of the incumbents really uh, getting a nasty surprise as they just begin to hemorrhage customers in the way that F&B did with middle class customers a few years ago you know where it just it just stole them from the other three yeah. uh, with with potent incentives and so yeah I think I think 2019 in the South African tech space at least is in large part going to be about financial service yeah. providers and I think that's great and, and and I just want to say in the context of Africa it's totally appropriate that you know Mpesa in Kenya and in mm. East Africa has led the revolution in terms of mobile money or, or this kind of new way of I kind of think of Mpesa and mobile money as a as a, a check system for the mobile era it's, yeah. it's the simple way to do it half of all mobile money services in the world um, are in Africa according sure. to the GSMA and um, and uh, Mpesa is having a fantastic year it did a deal this, uh, earlier this year to to uh, work with PayPal it did another deal later on to work with Western Union so suddenly it's opened up uh, this little network in East Africa to every potential person who uses PayPal or Western Union in the world um, of course what's so bizarre is you know Vodacom tried to launch it here not once but twice and it just it just couldn't get traction and I think this also just speaks to this opportunity for other disruptors you know clearly you know Impesa was also amazing in the age of feature phones where things had to work with a three line LCD and USSD codes but now that you know smartphone penetration has trickled down so far down the the economic ladder you know you just I'm I'm really excited to see what sort of innovation we we see out of these new players 
Yeah, indeed. Well, what a good year it's been. What a good podcast. I don't Un- think- unless you were, unless you were Facebook. Otherwise, Facebook, it's been a great yes, year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't think we could use the word interesting any more times in this podcast. So thank you very much for listening. And uh, and we will be back next year with more interesting things to tell you. <laughs> <laughs>